Good morning. Today's scripture reading comes from 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 through 6. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. This is the word of the Lord for us. Anyone ever tell you you look just like your mom or your dad or some relative? You ever hear that? Like, oh, you look just like your dad. Uh, My wife, Rachel, has been told on numerous occasions, oh my goodness, you look just like your sisters. Undeniable that you are sisters. In fact, what's hilarious is... um, There have been, I think, also multiple occasions where she's been told she looks just like my sisters when people think she's she's related to my family that way. It's like, oh, you guys all just look the same, all these sisters. It's like, well, she's the in-law there. But uh, (laughs) I think the greatest compliment any of us could ever get is not necessarily you look just like dad, although that's sort of heartwarming. My dad passed away a few years ago, and... There have been a few occasions where people said, you sounded just like Dan. It's kind of like, well, that's that's sweet. But I think the greatest compliment we could get would be, I think I just saw Jesus in you. You know who you look like? You look like Jesus. You know who you sound like? You sound like Jesus. What a great challenge for us. To look and act and sound and reflect Jesus. To our youth mission team, we have been praying that you did that this week while you were in Columbus. Praying that you were shining brightly. Thank you for going. Thank you for serving the Lord. Thank you for stepping out of your comfort zone. I can't wait to hear some of the stories of how God worked in and through you. And as we talk about God making you more like Jesus, I do want to declare this morning that God does love you just the way you are. You know, as we we come before God's presence in worship and in prayer, He loves you just the way you are, but it's been said many times, and it's true, that He loves you too much to let you stay that way. He loves you too much to let you stay that way. He wants you to be more like Jesus. To walk consistently in obedience to God. And to shine brightly in a very dark world. So let me introduce myself, although I would say never has an introduction been more appropriate than the gentleman who introduced himself earlier today. (laughs) Whose face I had never seen until this morning. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it looks good. It looks good, Jeremy. Maybe I should try the... Try the stash, too. I don't know. New trend. Uh, but my name is John, and I serve as, as a pastor here at MCA. Just thrilled that we can gather together. Uh, I love our church family. I'm just grateful that I'm a part of it. Uh, and I'm praying that through our time together, your heart and your home grow stronger in the Lord. So we're doing a study this summer of the book of First John. And uh, I want to challenge you to read through it. So it's a letter, uh, so I would say it's a, it's a pretty easy read. I want to challenge you to be reading through this book. Uh, maybe even in this coming week, 
would you consider reading through the book of 1 John and do it twice and do it in two different English translations? So, do it, do, so read through the book of 1 John this week. Here's a challenge for you. Do it in a few different English translations. But uh, we were in chapter 1 last week. This week we're in chapter 2. If you've got your Bible with you, and I hope you do, <laughs> I hope you do have your Bible with you, not only on Sundays, but on Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays and Fridays and Saturdays. But open it up to this little uh, letter in the New Testament of 1 John. So it's not the Gospel of John, it's 1 John. And find your way to chapter 2. That's really where we will be spending our time for this morning. Uh, And I'll just share with you, here's the big idea. Here's what jumped out at me as I studied this week. That we show that we know God when we do what he says. And we heard that. Alicia read the scripture for us just a moment ago. We show that we know God when we do what he says. And I don't think we need to be willy-nilly about the confidence we have in Christ. I don't think we have to get all squirmy about our salvation. I am saved by the grace of God. I am a child of God, and I am a part of his kingdom. I'm redeemed, and I've been bought with a price. I don't think we have to, to be uncertain or unclear about that. We have a certainty of our standing in the kingdom of God. And we know that we know when we walk in obedience to him. That's what we see from the scriptures. Moreover, we rejoice because of it. You see, it's, it's not to say, I know that I'm saved, so look at me, I'm amazing. It's to say, I know that I'm saved, so praise God, because you can be too. And as saints, that is, men and women who, who recognize that they are children of God, redeemed by the blood of Jesus, when we gather, then it's a celebration of what God has done. God saved you too, and God saved me, and he's working on me because he wants me to become even more like his son, Jesus. If we look at the book as a whole, the book of 1 John, this word know appears over 40 times. Over 40 times the word know appears. Now, part of what John is doing there is he, he's confronting false teachers. And so I talked a little bit about this last week, but the context for this is some erroneous teaching that was happening, and John is addressing it in his letter. And, and so you see him teaching these deep, uh, important theological truths that were just smacking in the face of some of the teaching that was going on. And so part of what he's doing is he's coming against these false teachers who believed and were, were uh, teaching this, uh, this falsehood that it was only the spiritually elite... It was only this upper echelon and tier of the super spiritual giants who were the ones who were in the know. The rest, everyone else, they were in darkness. And so John, really, he does want to share the truth that anyone who puts their trust in Christ, anyone who is pursuing the Lord, anyone who desires to walk in obedience to God's ways, who who truly knows God, can be certain about their standing in his kingdom, can can be confident. I know the Lord and the Lord knows me and I am saved. And so that's part, that's part of what uh, John is doing here is kind of coming against some false teaching. Uh, But I want to encourage us with this this morning, this great and powerful truth. And it's a challenge as well. Do I know that I'm part of God's kingdom? And am I walking in obedience to all that God has for me? And so we'll see as we get into the scripture here in 1 John chapter 2, 
really two very simple encouragements. And the first is to live as Jesus lived. And maybe you're here this morning and you're like, what does that mean? How do I live as... Does that mean I need to get a, a, a pair of sandals and grow a beard? Like, Jeremy, I can't believe it. You're going the opposite direction here. You know, do I need to move to the Holy Land and, and become a Jewish rabbi? Like, what does it mean to live as Jesus lived? Well, as, as, that, as tempting as that might be for some of us to take on some of those, those uh, attributes of Jesus, no, I don't think that's what it entails. I think... It would begin, I should say, with studying the four Gospels to understand who Jesus is. And so that's a really good first step that we can take is, are we getting into these four Gospel accounts that reveal to us the one who came in the flesh, fully God and fully human, our Lord Jesus? So get into the four Gospels and get to know him that way. You, you study then in those Gospels, how did Jesus respond to other people? How did he respond to people who were needy? How did he respond to people who were hurting? How did Jesus act when other people mistreated him? So when I say live as Jesus lived, those are the sorts of things that begin to play out in our lives. Like when people wrong you, do you get angry, get bitter, try to get revenge, harbor a grudge? Because that's not what Jesus did. Jesus chose to forgive and to bless even those who had wronged him. When I talk about living as Jesus lived, well, this is a, I, I can't cover it in one sermon, friends. <laughs> this is a lifetime pursuit of how would I live as Jesus lived. But he poured himself out for the purposes of God. He poured himself out sacrificial love for others. Jesus was totally surrendered to God's will. That's, a, that's another great challenge for you and I. That we would begin to seek the heart of God and say, Lord, I'm surrendered to you. I want your path and your plan and your will for my life. Jesus said in John 6, verse 38, I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of the one who sent me. He, of course, taught us to pray this in the Lord's Prayer as well. And so Jesus then walked in loving relationship with the Heavenly Father. So we're in 1 John chapter 2. Let's jump in at verse 3. It says, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. <laughs> that was really simple, right? We've got some third graders with us, and I hope they can uh, open their Bibles this morning as well. And Hmm. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. And I should point out here that there's a big difference between knowing about God and knowing God. I like how J.I. Packer puts it in his classic book with the title of Knowing God. He says this. What were we made for? To know God. What aim should we have in life? To know God. What is the eternal life that Jesus gives to know God? What is the best thing in life to know God? The best thing in life, my friend, is a dynamic relationship with your creator through his son, Jesus Christ. 
the best thing in life. And so there, there is then, from 1 John, this reality. There is a true test of if we know God. <laughs> and the true test is, are we obeying him? Are we walking in obedience to him? Oh, someone can claim that they know God, but look at their life. Are they walking in his ways? Are they following his commands? And so I think part of what John is teaching here is that we should be growing in our desire for obedience. Not, not that we're perfect, because you could look at my life and you could see there are times and there are places and there are ways that I fall short of God's ways and God's commands. And in your own life, there are places where you're challenged. And so does that mean you don't know God? No, I don't think so. It means you're in this process of becoming more like Jesus. And so part of that process, my friend, is that you grow in your desire to obey him. That you grow in your desire to walk in his ways. So if we know God, we grow in God. If we know him, we grow. Jesus says it really plainly, actually, in John chapter 14. If you love me, you'll obey what I command. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. Now, unless, in case we don't quite yet get this, he makes it even more clear in verse 4. So we're in 1 John chapter 2. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands, is a liar. <laughs> and the truth is not in that person. Now listen, none of us like to be called a liar. None, none of us want to raise our hand and go, I'm a liar. And yet, we have this clear teaching that when we say we know God, and yet we don't walk in his ways, we are liars. And so, it becomes all that more important for us if we are a follower of Jesus, if we have confessed that we need him in our lives and received his forgiveness and grace, that we then walk in obedience to him. Our, our faith must be lived out. George Barna wrote a book called Future Cast. Terribly interesting. And in this book, uh, he tracks uh, through, through research and polls uh, annual changes, and this is a, he did, did a 20-year period, uh, that show these major trend lines uh, in religious beliefs. And this was done here in the U.S. Um, it was interesting because all of the major trends in sort of religious life in our country uh, ran downward. In other words, we're, we're becoming less spiritual. America is becoming less spiritual. America is less religious. America is less dependent on, on Christ. Except there were two things that didn't go downward during the 20-year period he studied, but actually went upward. I'll share with you what those are. More people claim that they have accepted Jesus as their Savior. Wow. Over a 20-year period, we've seen more people who have said, yeah, I am choosing and I have chosen Jesus as Lord and Savior. And along with that, there was sort of a part B, but, and I expect to go to heaven. 
The other thing that increased is people, more people saying they haven't been to church in the past six months, except for a special occasion. <laughs> now, those things seem very striking to me, and I hope they, they are shocking to you as well. Wouldn't you think that if we have more people who've said, I accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, that we would also have more people who said, well, of course I've gathered with the saints in the last six months. Of course I've attended services where I can grow in my faith and be encouraged by the word of God and worship and celebrate him. So Barna, as he sort of puts together this data and reflects on it, he is just clearly saddened and laments over this fact. And so here's what he says in that book. He says, people say, I believe in God. I believe the Bible is a good book. And then I believe whatever I want. And then he goes on to say, we're a designer society. We want everything customized to our own personal needs, our clothing, our food, our education, and now even our religion. And so I mentioned those things to point out how nonsensical it is for someone to claim they know Christ and yet to fail to walk in his ways and to walk in obedience to him. To want to continue to grow. If you know God, you grow in God. The cool thing then is, as we walk in obedience to the Lord, his love is unleashed in our lives. The love of Christ unleashed in us. So we're in 1 John chapter 2. And in verse 5, John then switches back to the positive, right? He's kind of beat us up there a little bit, calling us liars if, we don't, if our life doesn't match up with our speech. But in verse 5, he switches back to the positive. He says, if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. See, the, the love of God accomplishes its purpose in us when we walk in obedience to him. Now, this word that he uses here, the, the word for complete, it comes from the same word that Jesus uttered on the cross when he was crucified and he said, it is finished. It's the same, it's the same word here that he's using. Like when Jesus said, it's paid in full, it's complete, mission accomplished. And John is saying the same thing happens when we walk in obedience to God and his love then is unleashed through us. So the love of God that we often hear about, that we should hear about, can be misunderstood to say, well, God loves you so that you can feel good and happy and squishy inside. Well, that's not really the full reason for God's love poured out in your life, so that you can feel good and squishy inside. The, the ultimate purpose of God's love poured out in your life is that you would then walk in obe- loving obedience to him in grateful response to what he's done in you. A life of faithful obedience. But that's hard to do, isn't it? And I want to recognize that this morning, that that, that is a great challenge before us. How do, I, how do I walk in obedience to the Lord? How do I avoid the temptations that are at every turn? Even the temptations within myself to do that which is pleasurable, to do that which seems like it would benefit me, 
That's the challenge. Let's keep going here at the end of verse 5 and into verse 6. John says, this is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. So that's the challenge, to live like Jesus. And so I would say it again. When you are in Christ, you walk as Jesus walked. Your life reflects him to others. You know, it's really easy for us to say, well, I'm from a Christian family. It's easy for us to say, I grew up in the church. It's easy for us to say, I went on a mission trip when I was a teenager. I've read the Bible. I give tithes. It's easy for us to say those things. And those are all good things. But I think that the true test is not that you grew up in a Christian family or what your background is. The true test is, do you live like Jesus? Do you respond the way that Jesus responds? Are you completely devoted to the mission of God? Are you completely surrendered to God's will be done, not mine? And you see, if that's not your attitude and the cry of your heart and what is reflected to the world around you, let me just ask, who's in charge of your life? Because the temptation is that I'm in charge of my life. It's a daily battle. We have this teaching in the New Testament, by the way. The battle between spirit and flesh. It's this daily battle. It's this daily choice. When I wake up in the morning, am I going to be in control of my life? Or am I going to seek the Lord and say, by your Holy Spirit, empower me for a life that brings you glory? And so we have this great challenge to live as Jesus lived. Will we live sacrificially on behalf of others? Well, there's no benefit to you in this. You're just blessing the other person. There's no reward for you in this, not in terms of earthly rewards anyway. And yet, you're going to care for the least of these. There's nothing that person could do to even repay you for what you're doing. And yet... Jesus says, I tell you the truth, whatever you do for the least of these, you do for me. I get excited about that. (laughs) And I hope that we can cultivate that here in our fellowship, that that we would get excited about and eager about growing in obedience to Christ and not pretending to be perfect and not pretending to get it right. I can tell you, I've messed up. I've fallen short. I've done wrong. I've been stubborn. I've told God no. And yet in his goodness, he hasn't given up on me. And so I've got a testimony and you've got testimonies that he is working in us, that he wants to bring to completion the mission of the kingdom through our lives. It's unleashed in love And it's the confidence we have in our salvation lived out by walking in obedience to him. So I'd love to ask you this morning, what step do you need to take in your spiritual walk? What is it that God's calling you to do in response to him and his loving kindness, his lavish love poured out in you? And maybe you don't know the Lord and the first step is you want to come to him in faith. Okay, Lord, I'm going to give my life to you. Or maybe you've been walking with the Lord, but you know there are things that God is calling you to do. If you're married, maybe it's the way you treat your spouse. 
Maybe it's the way you speak to that one that God has placed in your life and God has challenged you. You don't speak to her that way anymore. You don't treat her that way anymore. You cherish her. Do you remember your wedding vows? Are you cherishing her and loving her? Maybe that's the step you need to take in your spiritual walk. Maybe you need to confess a nagging sin that just keeps popping up and you just keep saying, I can get over this, I can do better. Maybe you need to go to a trusted Christian friend and confess. Take it to the Lord and ask forgiveness. Bring it into the light that you might have victory over it. Maybe you need to begin diligently studying the word of God. You say, I know I should be in the Bible, but I'm really busy. And I've got a lot going on. Maybe that's the step that God is calling you to take in your walk with Christ, getting into the word of God. I was so blessed. I think it was two days ago. uh, My daughter, Muriel, came up to me. She goes, hey, Papa, I really want to memorize all the books of the Bible. You know, three of her sisters were so brave uh, recently, earlier in the summer, came right up on the stage here. And they recited all 66 books of the scripture when we were doing our binge read the Bible. And so their little sister saw them do that. And they have been an example and a model to her, and she wants to do the same thing. That's someone who's growing in Christ and who wants to keep growing and who wants to take the next step in her spiritual journey. She set that as a goal. She wants to memorize the books of the Bible. What is it that you need to do in your spiritual walk? Have you been baptized Because if you're putting your trust in the Lord Jesus, you need to take that step. Enter the waters of baptism. Publicly declare, I'm his. There's no turning back. I've decided to follow Jesus. Maybe that's the step you need to take. Maybe it's joining a ministry team here at MCA. We we always need more men and women who are going to be committed with us to the gospel cause. Maybe you haven't plugged into a core group yet, and it's that sort of accountability and fellowship and relationship that you know you need, and that's what the Lord is calling you to do. That's the next step in your spiritual journey, submission one to another in loving Christian community. I implore you, walk in obedience. Don't just continue down your stubborn path, but be open to the ways God is leading you. You guys remember a few years ago, the WWJD campaign? How many of you would, uh, would uh, confess to you had the... Bra- I mean, the bracelets were the really big one, yeah. I saw like two people raise their hand. Maybe it didn't make it to Amish country? I don't know. But this was a worldwide phenomenon of WWJD. There were bumper stickers and bracelets, and it stands for what would Jesus do? And it was really this neat challenge of, you know... Uh, Stop and ask yourself before you make a decision, what would Jesus do? And then do it. And uh, we might not have the bracelets on still, but I think that's fantastic. Stop before you make a decision and ask yourself, what would Jesus do? And then do it. Uh, It comes, by the way, if you didn't know this, it comes from a book, a classic Christian novel uh, by the title of In His Steps. It was written in about 1897 by a man named Charles Sheldon and tells the story of a preacher who issued this uh, challenge to his church family. 
And then the book, I, I think there were, if I remember correctly, I think there were six people who committed to do this for one year. And then the book tells their stories. Stories of before any decision, I'm going to ask myself, what would Jesus do? And then I'm actually going to do it. What would our lives look like if we did that? WWJD. And then that is my course of action. That is what I'm going to do. Maybe that's the next step for you in your spiritual walk is to say, I don't know how often I consult with the Lord before I make decisions. I've got good intuition. I've got good intelligence. I can make decisions. Maybe your next step is to say, before I make decisions, I'm going to ask myself, what would Jesus do? And then I'm going to do that. I think our marriages would change. I think our parenting would change. I think our work relationships would change and our, our neighborhoods would change. Maybe it's too grandiose to say, but I, kinda, I think our world would change. <laughs> like if people redeemed by Christ would say, I'm going to walk in obedience to him and no other, no other path will do. Only the way of Jesus. Only God's plan for my life. It's a great challenge to live as Jesus lived. I do want to issue another challenge this morning that comes from the passage, and that is to love as Jesus loved. Now, certainly that's part of the way that he lived was, was by loving. But uh, the scriptures tell us, friends, if we have not love, we have nothing. We have nothing. And, and I just love there, there is a, a pastoral sort of tenderness that comes from this letter from John, who we know was advanced in his years, this, this wisdom that comes from one who's a little bit older. And so he calls them dear friends. We're, we're going to pick it back up at verse 7 here together. We're in 1 John chapter 2. And he tells us that this, this, uh, this challenge to love others as Jesus did is not a new command. Dear friends, he says, I'm not writing to you a new command but an old one which you've had since the beginning. The old command is the message you've heard, and yet I'm writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. So yeah, love is emphasized in the Old Testament. We see this in, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength from Deuteronomy. And love your neighbor as yourself from Leviticus 19. Jesus spoke about love all the time. And yet, this old command is the message you've heard. There's something powerful about hearing the truth over and over and over and over. The good news. In fact, I've had some interesting conversations with people who have asked about as a shepherd and a pastor, and, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm caring for and leading a flock of saints, and I'm privileged to share the word of God and how I so often talk about salvation and, and the hope we have in Christ. It's like, well, isn't that one of the elementary teachings? And, and don't we need to go on to, you know, more like nuanced, in-depth things? And I'm going, yes and yes. <laughs> I've had some really interesting conversations where I'm like, 
you know, I need to hear the simple truths of the gospel and I need to hear them over and over and over again. And I don't ever want to stop hearing them and I'm never going to stop sharing them. There's something powerful about hearing the same truth over and over and over consistently again and again and again. It's like why in our, in our families, in our circles, like you have those stories and you have those jokes and you've heard them a million times, but you still tell them. You're like, let's tell it again. May it be the same with the gospel, that we tell it again and again and again. But it's interesting here, John says kind of, kind of seemingly contradictory things that it's an old message, but it's a new message as well. The way I understand it and can explain it would be basically, yes, it's the, it's the old truth of the gospel. And yet it's new. Why? Because in Christ, there is a freshness. And in Christ, it has come into more, more of a full reality and fruition in Christ. Like it's both familiar and fresh. Uh, we see this from the teaching of Jesus, like in Matthew chapter 5, where he starts talking about uh, you've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I tell you, love your enemy. Pray for those who persecute you. It's a message that you've heard, but in Christ it's made fresh and it's made new. That Jesus is the model for us of how we should love others, unconditionally, sacrificially, abundantly. So again, in very simple terms, the teaching we have this morning is, if I claim to be a Christian and a follower of Jesus but I hate other people, and I'm a hater, and I don't forgive other people, that I don't really walk in God's ways, and I'm not really a child of God. He says this in verse 9. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother is still in darkness. If you are a follower of Jesus, you cannot harbor hatred against a fellow believer. This is really tough because that's the culture we live in. It's like, well, that person wronged me, so they're on my list. That person's part of the other political party, so clearly they're my enemy. And yet the teaching of Jesus and the love of God leads us to a totally and radically different path. Love is the greatest testimony to the world. This is kind of the theme verse for this whole sermon series. That we would love one another. 1 John 4 verse 11. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Let me just say that it's impossible for us to actually love like Jesus loved. Why? Because we are frail and prone to sin. And so if you're thinking, well, this is not doable, you're right. The only way it's possible is through the life that has been transformed by Christ. We're not capable of loving like the Son of God. We don't have the capacity to love like he did. That's why we turn to him in faith, confessing our great need. I do want to invite you that... After the service, as we conclude here in just a moment, our prayer team is going to come and gather in the front and would love to minister to you this morning. 
And maybe that's coming to, for the first time to say, I want to put my trust in the Lord Jesus. It would be our honor to go with you before God's throne of grace. Or maybe that's coming to say, I've got something in my life that I just need to turn over to the Lord. Or I've been a Christian for decade over decade over decade, but I don't think I'm growing. And I'm ready to start taking the next steps in my spiritual journey. So come, I would invite you as we conclude this service, you're welcome to come. Our prayer team would be glad to meet with you. When the love of Christ is in you, friends, it flows through you. It's not you being a better person. It's not you as a really loving guy or gal. It's the love of Christ that you know and that you then share. It's only in him that there is forgiveness of sins. It's only in him that we have hope. It's only through him that we have salvation. That we are spared from an eternity apart from God in the flames of hell. And that's what we deserve. But praise God. So I'll ask it again. Who's in control of your life? Is it you? Or is Christ Lord? Are you following your own path or even chasing after someone else that you see? Or are you following Jesus so that you live like he lived and you love like he loved? John says in verse 15, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the father is not in him. If you're a friend of the world, the scriptures tell us, you are an enemy of God. Jesus says you cannot serve two masters. The people of old were told, choose this day whom you will serve. So I implore you to choose Christ. Is it time for you to take the next step in your spiritual journey? I implore you to walk in obedience to all that God has for you. What is it that God's asking you to do? And do it. What would Jesus do in these situations? Do it. When you follow Jesus, you just never stop growing. He keeps working on you and he keeps changing you. And so keep ingesting the word of God every day so that you continue growing and he's moving you toward maturity. Don't just settle for information like I've learned this and I've studied that, but ask God for transformation. That we might grow each and every day to be more like Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord, we confess before you our shortcomings and our faults, our sin. We confess this morning that so often we choose our own way and our own path. Lord, would you help us? Lord, because when we're in charge, our lives are a train wreck. And we need a savior and a rescuer. Thank you, O oh God, that you have been faithful. That you've not given up on us. And so we turn to you in faith today to say, Lord, take control of my life.
in my marriage, in my family, in my work. We turn it all over to you, O God, that you would guide us, that your radical love would flow through us and then extend to those around us. That someone might even see in us a reflection of you, our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray these things only in your name. Amen.